This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church and I said, I got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the Kansas City. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good cook. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we are on Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m., and we do this show live, and we take your calls and get into discussions about the mental side of sports. I have been here at Sports Radio 810 WHB for the last 16 years. I've been on the radio in Kansas City for 26 years straight. And I've been in practice as a sports psychologist now for 36 years. And I love what I do because I get to help people get better, figure out what's wrong, try to solve problems mentally with what's going on. And, you know, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who comes out on top. I've been very fortunate to have been on the air here at Sports Radio 810 WHB for the last 16 years, and we talk about psychology we talk about sportsmanship we talk about attitudes and preparation and focus and confidence and all these things every week because to me in the end mentally if you don't have it together it's going to be pretty hard to produce you can get by to a point physically with what you have but if your mind isn't connected if your mind isn't there it's going to be difficult and throughout my 36 years working with a number of teams, I have had the privilege, and, and I want to emphasize the privilege, to have worked with tremendous health professionals along the way. Physicians, athletic trainers, physical therapists, massage therapists, strength and conditioning coaches. I've been very lucky to have uh, developed relationships with a number of these people along the way. And some of them have had a special impact on my life because they gave me a chance to work with their teams. In another week, we're going to be having Craig Kloss and Doug Wiesner on with us. They were the Comets athletic trainer and physical therapist when I worked with the Kansas City Comets back in the 80s. Great guys. Uh, get the importance of mindsets. But perhaps nobody of all the people I've worked with over the years, has understood that better than our guest this morning. I am very lucky to have my good friend Mickey Cobb on with us this morning. And I got to know Mickey in 1990 when I worked with the Royals. It was his last year there. He made the all-star team. as the all-star trainer, I want to point out. And Mickey and I have kept in touch over the years. A great guy, a great sense of humor, an incredibly intelligent man who gets the importance of mindsets. And he and I spent a year working together with the team back in 1990, as I said, and really loved working with him because he 
was a guy the players respected, the players loved, because he gave his heart and soul for the team. All right, Mickey, are you up? Are you awake? I'm here. I'm here. All right. I'm I, here. You, you got me up and going. Well, listen, my friend, it's it's great to have you on. You know, you and I talk, obviously. We're, we're friends, and I've appreciated the fact that we've kept up over these years. You are a guy who gets it. You understand the physical and mental combination for athletes, especially for baseball players. And let's face it, you and I have spent a lot of time in our careers working with baseball players, obviously with the Royals. Neither of us work with them now, although I did rejoin them again after 1990 for several years and uh, enjoyed the experience tremendously. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you right now, where you're at. A lot of people, you know, don't know where Mickey Cobb is because you keep keep out, in the, you know, you sort of keep in the shadows. You don't want people knowing what's going on with you, but you're on the air now, so tell everybody what's going on. Well, uh, first of all, thank, thanks, Andy. Uh, you got me up early, and I'm having a little coffee uh, to begin my day, and uh, it's a beautiful day, of course. And uh, uh, since I left the Royals in 1990, I've had uh, – uh, some good things and some unfortunate things. Uh, um, I've had had the opportunity to do a good bit of traveling, and I, I did that and uh, saw some beautiful places, some interesting places, and been around some interesting people. Uh, during that time, I've uh, uh, published a book, and uh, it's still out. It's on Amazon. It's called Step and a Half. It's uh, got a good bit of royals in it. Uh, it's a fun piece, and I'm working on another one now that has nothing to do with athletics. It's more of uh, uh, my daily life, and uh, as you say, uh, the mental aspect of uh, of an athlete is so very important, and um, and my mental aspect uh, in dealing with my day is very important because, um, as you know, and the people who know me. Uh, in quotes, know that I had a, a handicap or have a handicap, which I, I brush that off. Uh, um, uh, I don't, and uh, we, we can we can get into that just a little bit. But um, well, let you know what. Let's get into that because uh, you know a lot of people. <coughs> excuse me. A lot of people don't know exactly what was going on with you. They they know you had a limp. Okay. People, a lot of people don't know what that was about. So, so share your story, Mickey, because you understand from having a physical handicap about the psychological part of all this and about, you know, being made fun of and things like that and, and, and what it's like because you had to deal with that as, as, a, as a youngster, as a, as a grown-up. It's something you've had to live with and you've lived with it and you get it. You understand it. And so you understand, and that's where I think it, it made you a better trainer because you got the mental part, you got the emotional part of athletes. Because you had to deal with that yourself. Yeah, um, I did and do. And uh, since uh, childhood, having uh, having uh, not walked until age four, and then uh, uh, I was pretty fortunate in that uh, I was put in the classroom with everybody else and uh, grew up with everybody else and and. Uh, tried to play sports and do things, but uh, uh, I did have a limitation. Uh, some doctors say it was polio. Some doctors say it was cerebral palsy. really doesn't matter. Uh, if you have something, then you must deal with it, and uh, I think the sooner you understand uh, 
of what your uh, physical problem is, then the mental part is a lot easier. It's a lot better. Um, I know that uh, the show is about uh, athletes, and it's uh, uh, and today's show is about the mental aspect of it. And the physical and the mental is inseparable. And I could I could never live and don't live without having um, a good strong mental attitude towards the day. If my day looks like it's going to be a down day, then I have to talk to myself and say, "Come on now, you've got to. You can't. You can't do this. You've got to just keep keep trudging on." And the hardest thing for an athlete to do is when they get injured. And if it happens to be a long-term injury, then to be rehabilitated, that's not a pleasurable time. It's not a vacation. It's a very, very difficult time for a competitive athlete. And at the major league level, and in particular in baseball, and I say particularly in baseball because it's uh, it's an everyday sport during the season. And uh, obviously there are some off days, but it is a – extremely difficult sport in that it is um, uh, the skill level is very high. Uh, I was reading in the paper yesterday about um, a person hitting a baseball and then trying to hit it on the major league level, hitting a home run. And, of course, we're all excited now about uh, um, Mistakas and his uh, chase to break uh, Steve Balboni's uh, Royals record for home runs, and uh, um, he's he's done a great job. And his mindset must be really, really terrific. And uh, it'd be interesting to talk to him as to what he's done to help himself along. I don't think it's just merely a, a time when he's arrived. I think something special has happened to him, or he's going through something special. Uh, this year, but well, one anyway. of the things Mickey is Mike Mustakas, along with several other players, are in their free agent year. So I think that probably has something. <laughs> well, well, yeah. well, well, okay. Let's just be be blunt about it. I mean, when guys well, go, forget not him specifically, but when most guys go in their free agency year, where they become a free agent at the end of that year, what happens to their performance? Well, it seems to go up, but uh, I think it's very difficult in in our sport. Uh, or the sport that I was in anyway, in, in Major League Baseball, it's it's very difficult to to uh, turn it up a notch if you don't have the ability to do that, if you don't have the good, uh, solid mental comfort to do that. Um, I've heard people say, well, a guy can't just say, well, okay, I'm going to hit a home run and win a game. Well, in fact, one night we were playing here in Kansas City, and it was getting very late, and as people know, or at least that time, we had a curfew in the American League, which was 1 a.m., and uh, it was late, and uh, we were tied with somebody. I don't remember who it was, and and uh, George Brett came by and said, Mick, you ready to go home? I said, yeah, George, why don't you take us home home? And he said, okay, and he goes up and hits a home run, game's over, and uh of course, I speak of a very rare, rare uh, athlete in terms of uh, uh, ability, but he worked very hard to develop that ability, and along the way, his mental mat- 
maturity became uh, greater. It was like layers of onion, and then you take you you spray over that onion and just make it tougher and irremovable, and uh, you just got better in uh, both ways. And uh, uh, I'm not sure that everybody who has that can become a, a Hall of Fame type player, but you do have to have a uh, uh, perhaps not the greatest physical ability because uh, George wasn't our fastest runner, for instance, but he ran the base as well. But he he learned to do things, and uh, and I think in baseball, uh, that's why so many people, uh, the normal guy, so to speak, can play it, or even a guy like me who could play it a little bit and once in a while get a hit against somebody as a child and uh, – make the first base without being thrown out makes it such a thrilling uh, thrilling thing for us all to try to do and um, uh, it's just that uh, the mental thing is so great and and as far as I'm concerned as, as a now as an adult uh, and when I was working uh, my mental my mental state had to be pretty strong I remember once in Seattle it must have been the first time that uh, I went out on the field. Uh, some, you could hear the people laughing. And then they realized that uh, uh, what was going on. The next time I had to go out, which might not have been that same night, there was a big ovation. So I think people have a great appreciation for someone who does something extraordinary or is in a, a situation where they perform uh, under great duress and um, while I wasn't a player uh, I did take batting practice I think it was every seven years but that was about it but it was a it was a good ride for me and uh, uh, as you were saying earlier in the in the uh, segment uh, I'm in the shadows. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm a very private person. Uh, well, tell. Uh, hold on. Before we start getting into some things, tell people what's going on with you right now. You've got a big, a big thing happening. Well, yeah. Um, um, some people know that a couple of years ago, my wife Cheryl passed away and went through, uh, uh, you know, you go through the very uh, difficult time of the grief and you go through the time with uh, your children and stepchildren and uh, sometimes those things work out and sometimes they don't and and you must have during those times you must have someone to lean on uh, perhaps more than one and uh, I was very very fortunate to have a lady who uh, was a friend at the time and uh, who knew my family and uh, we were very distant friends, actually, and um, she became more involved because um, during my wife's illness, I, I I couldn't get information. It just so happened that this person um, uh, worked in a, in a in a doctor's office over in Manhattan, Kansas, and the doctors. They had a pulmonologist in there, and she would ask the, the physician questions about um, OCPD, and 
um, that was my wife's situation, and I would, could sort of get an idea of what was going on, and uh, I won't get into the reasons why I couldn't get information or didn't get information, but uh, anyway, it was a big help, and uh, so just talking long distance on the phone a lot, and uh, um, eventually uh, I realized that if if I were going to stay sane, that I had to have somebody with me. I had to have somebody uh, constantly with me. And my children uh, live in different states. I do have a son that moved back to Kansas City a couple years ago. And um, I want my children to live their own lives. So uh, rather than, than worry about Dad and be here with me all the time, uh, putting up with what a what a hellacious thing a person has to go through to get over the hump of losing someone. Um, I asked this person to come and live with me, and she became uh, my personal, legally my personal assistant. And as time went on, uh, we've fallen in love, and uh, in a few days I'm going to get married. Well, so Mickey Cobb, my good friend, where I am right now. there you are. I was waiting for you to say it. You're getting married in a few days, so. Yeah, want to congratulate you. I'm sure there are some people well, out there who would love you. to say, say congratulations to you as well. And I want to open up our phone lines on sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is former Royals trainer Mickey Cobb. You all remember him. He was there in the World Series in 85, one of the, the best people in baseball I've ever known. Let's talk, Mickey. Our number here is 913-3810-810 if you want to give Mickey a call. 913-3810-810 if you've got some memories of Mickey, some stories you'd like to share just about his work with the team. But the mental side of baseball, the mental side of sports, Mickey, it is, you know, psychology in sports is much more accepted now. You know, when I first started in 1981, I went around town and interviewed to work as a sports psychologist. And I can't even say on the air what some of the people said to me about it, about how, you know, it was full of it, it's ridiculous, you can't make a living at that, that's stupid. There was one athletic director at one of the local colleges who told me, I don't believe in hocus pocus, quote unquote. All right. And I met with John Sherholtz actually the day after I moved home. And he said, look, I believe in what you're talking about, but go get some experience. And in 1989, he got a hold of me, sent some players to me. And then 1990, we met and I got to work with the team. The mental side of sports, psychology and sports, mental health. Okay, let's talk about mental health, Mickey. Athletes are people. They're human beings. But because they are so superior athletically, they've got – Let's you talked about George. Let's talk about Bo Jackson. Guys who are physically superior, Willie Wilson, the things they were able to do. But mentally, they've got issues. They've got the same issues you and I have like everybody else. And they have to learn how to – right? I mean, they get depressed. They lose their confidence. They have relationship problems. Let's face it. You know, you know the statistic in professional athletes within three years after retiring. You know how many of them get divorced? You know what the, the statistics say? No, I have no idea. 85%. Wow, that's high. Yeah. Well, and why Why do you think that is? Well, the adjustment of being away from the game. And uh, um, I know I know guys that, that can, they can, they're, 70 years old and they can tell you on a particular night um, when they were pitching uh, whether a mosquito bit them on the right arm on the pitching arm or not 
um, and what the temperature was and all that stuff. So um, the mindset of the player is so intent and inseparable from uh, well, they do they do separate themselves from the pub the public, uh, and their minds are simply on baseball. Well, Mickey, you know one 24/7, of the things twenty four seven twenty four seven, and when they don't have it, it affects everything they do. And uh, of course, it begins with um, if you don't have the baseball, then it affects your children and your wife and uh, your mother, your father, everybody that you're connected with. And then it then ends up affecting those relationships, and that's where Absolutely. it's important. And just like anybody else, you could be a secretary or a janitor or a teacher. Or it doesn't matter what you do. Okay, right. We all have to deal with our personal lives. And, and when you're a professional athlete, you're on the road, you're traveling, you're doing all these different things. And one of the reasons the divorce rate's so high is because their spouses, and I've heard this from many of them, as you know, a lot of them come in and talk to me. Now I've got another child in the house yeah. because now that he's not playing ball anymore, <laughs> now now he's like another kid. Yeah. All right, our phone yeah. number here is 913-388-1010. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is former Royals trainer Mickey Cobb, one of the best people I've ever met. And we've got our first caller, Mickey. Let's see what Bill has to say. Bill, good morning, sir. How are you? Fine. And yourself? Great. Great. You have sure. a question for Mickey. Yes, yes, I do. Mr. Cobb, I, I'm wondering why there is such an increase in the oblique injuries today. Were they just not called that 40 years ago, or is there something different that today's athlete does to get that injury? Well, that's a good question, and I'm very curious about that myself. Uh, when I was wearing, we did have one oblique injury that I can remember very well, and it happened to Hal McCray on a, on a vicious swing at home plate, and and he uh, missed the ball and just crumbled uh, uh, at the plate and uh, missed six weeks. Uh, I, I probably have my own theories about why we're having that, um, but I'm not sure they're correct because I'm I'm not um, I'm not close to uh, baseball anymore. I have developed a relationship with. Uh, uh, the Royals trainer, uh, but I don't talk with him in terms of, uh, well, here's what I think you ought to do and all that. But it's, I, th I think that if you, if you can remember things that you did yourself, Bill, or things that you do, if sometimes when, when you're out, you can do it at working in the yard or you can be, uh, do it, uh, just bending over, you can just feel a sort of a stitch in the side and uh, that's that's going to be the oblique area, and uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's unlike any area uh, that you use uh, in athletics. Uh, it's used quite a bit in the swing, mostly, and uh, uh, so I, th I think that uh, it's just one of those things. I think next year maybe it'll be something else. Is it is it possible that it's because they got so much of their strength through weightlifting and not being a kid growing up and doing everything? Does that make sense? Not getting natural strength as a kid, you know, when you played and hunted and fished and threw rocks and did those things. Well, I think you may be on to something. I'm not sure that that's the answer, but um, 
I, I think that would certainly have to be considered because our athletes today start out so young and their schedules are are so heavily laden with organized sport that maybe they don't get to do all the various activities you're talking about. And then they get to be recognized as um, a great uh, baseball player as a youngster or maybe even a football player, and uh, they stick to that. And um, uh, somewhere along the line in, in body movement, uh, that oblique just doesn't uh, get its strong as some of the other areas you know bill one of the things that that i have dealt with in in the work i do with so many different medical professionals is this we are seeing more and more athletes specialized in sports at younger and younger ages right. and just playing those sports year-round they're not getting the, the the opportunity to do different things and then consequently the overuse injuries is injury issues becoming more and more prominent for so many kids today and you're seeing uh -huh. surgeries at younger, younger athletes because they've overused their muscles or their their joints or whatever it might be. You're seeing Tommy John surgeries now, right, Mickey, for 12-year-olds. That's bad. Yeah. And, and so one of the problems we're having today is this whole, and I've talked about it on my show if you listen. I, one of the Thank biggest you. concerns I have is that we are starting kids at, at organized sport competitions at younger and younger ages. And it's putting pressure, undue pressures on them physically as well as psychologically, and it's causing problems. So that might be one of the reasons you've got these this increase in oblique injuries as well as other injuries. Mickey, would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I do. I think that um, starting very, very early and the, the pressure on a on a, a boy or a girl to excel and um, perhaps hopefully get a, a college scholarship uh, is very prevalent in our society and. Uh, it's it's great if they get it, but I was I was almost uh, shocked. I was reading a, a magazine the other night, and um, um, they're they're nine year old, nine and ten year olds that get scouted now for uh, future colleges, and that that amazes me. There's no chance to develop uh, physically and mentally into just being a child at a time, and then to transfer that on over into uh, uh, being a teenager and then a young man or woman. Well, this is a problem, you know, that's going to become more and more prominent, I think, Bill, as, as kids get more and more specialized at younger and younger ages, and we'll see what happens. Listen, sir, thank you for your call this morning. Appreciate thank it. You. All right, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is former Royals trainer Mickey Cobb. We'd like to hear from you. That was a great question by Bill. Our number here is 913-3810-810. Our topic this morning, well, we're talking about Mickey and what's going on with him but we're talking about the mental health of athletes and why the psychological component is not looked at as intensely as it should be. It's overlooked, it's avoided, but how important it really is. Mickey, as you know, was the Royals trainer and they won the World Series in 85, was there for a long time. He understands why mindsets are so important in sports as well as baseball. Our number here is 913-3810-810, 913-3810-810. Give us a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 10 WHB. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And this morning, I've got my good friend Mickey Cobb on the line with us talking about 
the mental side of sports. Mickey was the Royals trainer. When were you there, Mickey? 1978 to 1990, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was here a little bit at the end of the 1977 season and uh, got to go to the uh, playoffs in New York with the team. And, of course, that was thrilling for me. You know, you got to know, obviously, the stars of the team back in those days, as did I. We both got to know George Brett really well. You know, my younger son's name is Gregory Brett Jacobs, and there's a reason for that. Um, you got to see Bo Jackson, as I said, Willie Wilson, Brett Saberhagen, Mark Gubizov, Frank White, John Mayberry, John. I mean, we can just go on with, with all these names. You got to know these guys extremely well. How important is the mental side? And there's, this is a two-part question. How important is the mental side of sport? And then the other side of that is how important is mental health for athletes, Mickey? Because the mental side obviously plays a key role in performance, but the mental health side, which is really the foundation of all of it, is really what they're about. Uh, well, that's a two-part question, and it's applicable to uh, all of us. Um, the fellow that has to go to the bank every day or the teacher or the the guy that works out at uh, uh, the Ford plant or wherever they are. Um, but when you speak of the major league athlete, you're speaking of a very, very uh, rare individual in terms of um, the ability to play baseball. And it's played at its highest level. And they did, these guys just didn't show up they they went through some of them went through the minor leagues most go through the minor leagues and they wonder every day and think every day well when am I going to get to Kansas City when am I going to get to Boston when am I going to get to Detroit when am I going to be uh, uh, in New York uh, wherever they are whatever they're they're hoping to get to on the major league level uh, affects their growth and development mentally because it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. It's, it doesn't, when you become a major league player, say at age 18 or 19, and those people are very rare, or uh, let's get a little closer to George and some of the people you mentioned, George and uh, Brett Saberhagen in uh, 19 or 20 or 21, then you have a lot of physical development there, uh, developed enough that the powers that be believe that uh, you're going to be successful, at least at the time, to help them win baseball games. Uh, whereas mentally, uh, that, may, that may not be matured yet. That may not be... Uh, even though the mental aspect and the physical aspect are uh, physiologically inseparable, uh, the one may be lagging. And usually, and usually, that's the mental part, right? I mean, usually, it's the psychological yeah, and, and the maturity part. That's why you. Well, that's why we refer to our children and uh, even ourselves. Well, just not. He's just not mature yet. He's not grown up yet. Wait till he matures. Well, when is that going to be? Is that going to be when, when this player or when this person's 40 
and they've already physically matured and begun to grow a, a pouch around the waist and all that. And uh, uh, so uh, some of these fellows, um, they, I know some guys in their 70s that live, their lives are still back in their teens and early 20s when they were superb athletes. And the importance of the mental part of, of it is if you're not attuned to your day, something happens in your day that, that upsets you, then that's going to have a an effect on you playing that ball game that day or that night. And you have to be very extraordinary to go and perform at your level and do well on a particular day like that. For instance, we see often, uh, and it happened, uh, it happened in Kansas City with one of our players uh, last year. Uh, the father passed away, and they didn't tell the player. Until he As pitch, pitcher Chris, Chris Young's dad passed away and Mike Moustakas' mother passed away. Yes, and uh, Volquez maybe. and um, Volquez was during, uh, the, during the World Series. His dad, his right, dad died and, during his and, start. And, and the emotional part is uh, unless you've lost a parent and if you had a good relation with that parent and that parent was the one who whether it was the mother or the father that was your catcher or played catch with you or taught you how to hold a bat and took you to practice and was at your games, then the, the loss of that person is, is it's, it's, it, I can't describe it. You, you, as a physician, as a doctor, you'd have to describe that from a psychological standpoint, but, uh, I do know that, that it affects a person's ability to, to work that day. Now, you do see some cases where a person has has uh, lost a loved one or something has happened to a dear friend or something even happened at home that day, and the athlete goes out and just performs extraordinarily it's almost a, like it's a, a out of body experience let me let me ask you let me ask you something here maybe and yes let, let me ask so, so as as an athletic trainer mm-hmm. okay and i've you know i've hung out in the training room for hours and hours and hours and hours during my career working with teams you know you you are treating these guys physically for their aches and pains their ailments whatever you're getting them in shape to play physically but you're also mentally working with them as well and i always like to say you can have i said it earlier you can have two athletes who are physically the same but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top that to me is about self-confidence and you could see couldn't you if somebody's confidence was shot that day when you're treating when you're wrapping their ankle or you know you know giving them some treatment on their thigh or their elbow or whatever you could tell couldn't you about their confidence, uh, but I, 
with some of the guys I could, absolutely. And uh, we had a situation once where um, um, one of our players' uh, mother passed away, and uh, uh, he told me about it that morning when he got to the ballpark. And, and I just casually re- related to the manager. And uh, uh, the player was still available to play, uh, but we knew that that player was under duress at the time. And uh, uh, sometimes when a player is having that kind of thing, then they need they need time away from from their job. And back in back in the days that that I worked, uh, we didn't have the the, the time of time off that players get now for various reasons they get paternity leave and you know right. personal time and right. and uh, yeah and, and and let me interject here again because i think that's it's a shame that never happened before but you know back when you were working with the team in the 70s and 80s up until really when i got hired in 90 people didn't look at this stuff they didn't look at the mental side they they poo-pooed it they th- thought it was a sign of weakness they thought you know Mentally, if you're not if you're not this big, tough, strong guy, you're weak. Okay, but the fact is, you can be that. You know, Bo Jackson had feelings. You and I both know that. We got to know him. I mean, there's there's probably nobody whose body was built like his. I mean, right? Wouldn't you say he had a body sculpted out of stone? He didn't even lift weights, but he was as human as you and me. And so the problem is, we put these guys on pedestals. To where they're supposed to be so perfect, you know. Let's take Alex Gordon. He he is not. He's he's doing a lot better lately, hitting wise. But I got to know him extremely well, about as well as he'll let anybody let to know him because he's a very private guy. Nobody works harder than Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon's like George Brett. Okay, they're the same. They're the, you and I both know George never ever did not run out of ball to first base. He didn't give a. He missed what over a year and a half of his of his career from injuries. Isn't that right? Something like that. Well, it was a good while, and um, it's amazing that he didn't um, uh, lose that, lose more time because he he just he didn't play casually. That's my point. He gave it everything. They give it everything they've got, and that doesn't mean. And this is where people see. I I think people put these guys on pedestals. Professional athletes get on these pedestals. And, and, and collegiate athletes, even high school athletes, are put on these pedestals because they're so good athletically. But they could be totally undeveloped psychologically, right, Mickey? And and it causes big-time issues. Well, absolutely. And, uh, and um, I mean, we all do it. We, we watch games and we say, well, why didn't he try harder? Or who knows why a person didn't. Uh, bust her butt running to first base or to go after a ball uh, it's difficult to say it's difficult to, to say what a person thinks in between pitches or uh, at bats and stuff like that it's uh you know, if they've got something going on to where they need uh, professional help not just help from a wife a girlfriend a boyfriend or whomever but needs actual professional help then they're not going to get well they may still perform but their their numbers might not be as good as they should be um 
you, you keep speaking of um, uh, your relationship with John Sherholz and those of us who uh, have followed John's career and been a part of his career know that today he's going into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and there's a, a reason that that's going to happen. And, and it's not just the numbers that uh, the Atlanta Braves put up with the four straight uh, divisional championships when he got there. Uh, it started. It's the thing that he did uh, prior to and while there. Uh, the Kansas City Royals, for instance, we were the first people to have um, some of the most advanced um, uh, muscle testing, for instance, muscle testing uh, 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 machines uh, in the world. And uh, once I learned how to use it, and my assistant Paul McGinn learned how to use it, um, we we could we could give out information that was directly. We could determine directly whether a person was going to pull a hamstring or not if they did not condition uh, uh, that hamstring. And uh, we can't we we can't do we can't do that psychologically unless a player comes in and says, "Hey, Mick," uh, and, and and I did this more than once. Once that's one of the reasons I'd go be at the ballpark at 12:30 of a day for a, a night game was if somebody came in and just needed to talk, and we didn't have Andy Jacobs. We we didn't have anybody, and I didn't I didn't know any uh, uh, psychologist to refer anybody to, and I knew that we had uh, some coaches and sometimes a manager. Um, that didn't believe in it. Well, John Sherholz did, and John Sherholz believed in um, uh, a guy like Mickey Cobb, who was not physically uh, statuesque to be a uh, like a lot of other uh, major league uh, trainers. Uh, I certainly couldn't get to center field as fast as some of them, but he knew that I knew what to do when I got to center field, which is the furthest part from the dugout, at least for me. And so um, he recommended, and, and I'll be hired. And so John had a foreseeability uh, in many ways that uh, perhaps other people I didn't. Well, and, you, uh, yeah, and, and he gave me a chance. I met him in 1981, right after yeah. I moved home from grad school. Yeah. And an interview was set up with him by Mr. Kaufman, yeah. who uh, knew a good friend of mine who referred me to Mr. Kaufman. Mr. Kaufman said, I want you to talk to John Sherholtz. Mm -hmm. And John and I, John said, I'm going to give you 20 minutes. I met with him for over two hours. And he said, listen, this is in 1981. We're not going to hire you now because George Brett and Willie Wilson Brett and, and Frank White aren't going to talk to you because you just out of grad school. Get some experience. And eight years later, he called me and said, I've been following your career because I've been mm -hmm. you know, sending him letters. And he said, it's time. I've got some players to send you. He sent me about four guys that year, and then he hired me full time the next year, which is when we worked. Then, unfortunately, when he left, Herc Robinson didn't want to renew my contract because he didn't believe in it, which is still an issue today with a lot of teams, including the one here. So the fact is... You've got these issues, and the mindset becomes a big part. And you and I both know, and this is where I think it's important for people listening to understand, the mental side of what we do in the end 
directs us, controls us, and impacts us as much as anything. And that's where I think having a healthy mindset, dealing with issues, dealing with problems, being able to talk about it. a lot of people. Let's face it, Mickey. A lot of guys don't like to talk about problems. Correct? Agree? Well, it's true. Yeah. You have to be. You have to be uh, have a. Con- you have to develop a confidence with them uh, before they'll open up. And uh, uh, it, it's sad because uh, we we all need all of us, uh, whether we're an athlete or not, whether we're uh, an eighteen year old or in your 70s like I am you you've got to have somebody to talk to and, it, and it's better if you have a professional and, and seven, uh, in your 70s and getting married I want to point out to everybody as we said <laughs> all right so here's my well, point it must be a good thing yeah. this marriage we've got about we got about 5 minutes left here all right. all right you you have thousands of stories as I do but I'd like you Mickey Cobb my good friend to share a story with our listeners a funny story about a player. Okay, you were there from you were with this team from '77 to 1990. You got to know you know a lot of the legends of Royals history. Tell everybody a funny story, Mickey, because I know you've got a few. I know you've got some. Well, I do, and 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 I put some of them in in my book. And I know you've you've asked me several times about one particular story, but. And I'll tell it, but... Uh, well, tell whichever uh, one you want. I don't care which one it is. Yeah. Well, I think I'll tell another one, and then maybe some other time we can tell the one that you like so much. But right. maybe you don't know the one the one I'm thinking of. When um, when I first got to Kansas City... And we've got about three minutes here before we got to get right. finished. When up. I first got to Kansas City as the head trainer in 1978, uh, we were going to play on Monday night TV, and Howard Cosell was going to do the coverage and uh he was in the dugout well uh, i was a single trainer meaning i didn't have an assistant so it was characteristic for me to come down for the game to the dugout late or near near time for the national anthem and uh, so george brett says to howard Cosell, say howard i want you to meet uh, our new trainer mickey cobb and he says uh, he's got polio so he walks to the lamp and he says i want you to uh uh, know that tonight I'm going to uh, take an injury at third so his mother in Jacksonville can see him on TV. He says, but I want you to uh, <laughs> I want you to uh, uh, tell your people in the truck to put a strip on the bottom of the TV. Please do not adjust your set. This man runs this way. And, I, and I'll tell you, I love that story. I think it's one of the funniest. And uh, it was George's humor and George's love for me at the time, and uh, I just think it was great. And uh, um, I got a bunch of them, and they're good ones. Well, listen, my friend, I want to thank you so much for being on with me this morning. This has been great. Uh, you, you know, you're getting married here really cool. When is it? Tell everybody when it is. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Mickey Cobb is getting married, so if you're a Royals fan, you know, <laughs> can can people get a, how can people get a hold of you? You want people to get a hold of you? Oh, maybe maybe on Thursday <laughs> or Friday, <laughs> or maybe Saturday for you. All right, yeah. listen. Or you have a week. book. You have a book out there. Tell everybody where the book is, the name of it, and how they can find it. Well, it's called A Step and a Half because that's that's sort of the steps I take when I take a step. The next one's going to be sort of a half step. But uh, right now, it's on Amazon, and um, I, I should I should redo it. It's because it, it can get better, but. Uh, I am working on another one right now, and uh, 
it's uh, you know you got to keep your mind right. You got to keep your mind going. And uh, well, you just Mickey, you doing. just you just hit it on the head. You got to keep your mind yeah. right. Listen, yeah. my good friend Mickey Cobb, thank you so much All for right. being with us this morning. It's been well, awesome talking you. to you here. Hold on, I'm going to talk to you when we're, when, we're, when I finish the show. All thank right. you, Mickey. Appreciate yep. it, buddy. All right. All right, that's former Royals trainer Mickey Cobb. Great show. You know, if you want to hear this show, want to have anybody listen to it, it's podcasted here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Go to the additional programming button, click on podcasts, and uh, you'll find it. You can also listen to this on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, or actually drandrewjacobs.com. You can go there and find it. You can reach me at my office, 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Sunday here in the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.